3: Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, Lynch the Grinch strikes again and takes 40,000 of his union members with him. Rail strikes cause chaos across Britain and there's more to come. I'll talk to a militant union boss about the strikes that are cancelling Christmas. The truth or their truth. The California mudslingers have taken aim at their families, the palace and the press and their Netflix wine-a-thon. Everyone, of course, but themselves. Tonight, the reality star who had a fling with Prince Harry reveals to me how she's now been airbrushed from his history. One of the most beautiful classical pieces of music ever written. Shouldn't we now be boycotting it and Tchaikovsky because it was written by a Russian composer? I'll speak to the Ukrainian culture minister asking us all to do just that. Live from London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Well, good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. Britain isn't feeling very festive this Christmas. It's more a case of no, no, no than ho, ho, ho feels like we're living in a country in constant decline. War in Europe has brought tragedy to our doorsteps and rocketing bills to our doormats. Families are being paid to turn off their power just to prevent blackouts. Millions of people can barely afford to keep it switched on in the first place. Eye-watering inflation is taking more money out of people's pockets with every passing month. Supermarket prices are soaring, just as we're sucked into what could be an historic recession. Now, austerity is looming, compounded by a mismanaged Brexit that's bringing disasters rather than dividends, and far from providing answers and leadership, our politics is paralysed by perpetual chaos. Five education secretaries, four chancellors, three prime ministers in a year. The Conservative Party's been in power for 12 years, and even to many of its own supporters. It now looks punch-drunk, out of ideas and on the ropes, and as a result, trade unions can smell blood like vultures around a rotten carcass. And with a wave of winter strikes worse than anything we've seen in many decades, they're trying to land a knockout blow. Mick the Grinch Lynch of the RMT is the flag-bearer for Britain's strike chaos. 40,000 of his rail workers are walking out this week. He refused to be interviewed by me today, as he has done for many weeks. Uh, Following a series of cantankerous car crash interviews he conducted this morning, we found out why he's got so camera-shy.
4: You are robbing them of their income for the coming year. Many of them are saying they're going to go bust. Well, we're not targeting Christmas. This is, it isn't Christmas yet, Richard. I don't know when your Christmas starts, but mine starts on Christmas Eve.
3: We understand the anger that's caused by the disruption of the, of the stoppages, of course. Um, but we are getting a lot of support from the public. We continue to get messages. People continue to visit our picket lines. And what businesses ought to be asking the government is why are they subsidising this strike? You're just parroting the most right-wing stuff that you can get hold of on behalf of the establishment. And it's about time you showed some partiality towards your listeners and to working-class people in this country. Because a lot of working-class people have been directly impacted by these strikes. Mick Lynch hasn't got any answers. It's not right-wing, it's not an establishment cover-up. Public support for these strikes is evaporating because people are angry. And they're angry because it feels like Britain is falling apart and we're all being held to ransom now by these union bosses. Nothing seems to work anymore. Bus drivers, postal workers, nurses, highway controllers are all set to strike this week. The army is preparing to cover border security at airports. Taxi drivers could be used to cover ambulance strikes. Over Christmas, Britain has become a paralysed laughingstock and we all deserve better. We've had enough, haven't we, of all this chaos, of this decline. We've certainly had enough, I think, of the people who have been putting us in this position. And it's time, as a country, we started fighting back. Well, In a moment, I'll speak to the former Assistant General Secretary of the RMT, Steve Headley, uh, because the current one won't come on. But first, the boss of the Public and Commercial Service Union, Mark Sawatka, which represents Border Force workers who are striking over Christmas. Mr Sawatka, just before I came on air tonight, um, interesting development in the nurses' strike where the UK's chief nurse has actually challenged now the position of the RCN, the main uh, nurses' union, warning that patients' lives are being put at risk by these strikes which are being planned by nurses. That is the first, I would say, dramatic uh, example of a workforce now realising the dangers of these strikes. What do you say to that?
5: Well, I'm not not here to talk about the health service, peers, other than to say I fully support the right of all nurses to take industrial action, as I do all workers, because the blame for all of this should be squarely laid at the government's door. They've caused the cost of living crisis. They've doubled our mortgages. They've sat back and done nothing. And what we're doing in trade unions now, when members of our unions are voting, in my case, with an 86% majority to strike, is saying we're going on strike because it cannot be right that the government is cutting everybody's pay in real terms, and we deserve a decent pay, rise.
3: OK, say so you don't want to talk about nurses, but what the chief <coughs> nurse of this country is saying is that if this industrial action happens with the nurses, and I accept it's not your direct responsibility, but if it happens, if they <coughs> go on strike, she is worried that patients' lives we put at risk. In other words, people may die. Are you comfortable with that, that industrial action could lead to people in this country dying? Well, I put
5: the blame squarely on the, in, the, in the government's court because the nurses' leaders have made it clear they would not proceed with industrial action if the government agreed to talk about their pay. That's an entirely reasonable position, and the people who are worried should be contacting Richie Sunak, Jeremy Hunt and Steve Barkley. They have the power to stop all of these strikes by being prepared to negotiate on pay. They should do that in the health service. They should do that for the people I represent in the civil service, 40,000 of whom, by the way, peers, are using food banks, 45,000 of whom who work for the government claim in work benefits because they are the working poor. If the government says we won't talk about pay, industrial action is the only last resort that we now have left, and that is why members are voting in huge numbers to go on strike. They'd rather not go on strike, but frankly, if the government not prepared to negotiate. Okay, do you believe, do you believe as, a, as a
3: starting point of principle for any negotiation, that everyone who's currently going on strike or about to go on strike should get a pay rise at least equivalent to inflation, if not more? Nurses want 19%, for example. Should they all get at least the equivalent of inflation? Yeah,
5: my opinion is every working person, every woman and man, has the right, when they go to work, to ensure their living standards don't drop. If your pay rise is less than the rate of inflation, you are having a pay cut in real terms. And for the people I'm representing, we've had that for 10 consecutive years. Now, with this cost-of-living crisis, the 2% we're being given, when inflation at 11%, is not only the lowest pay offer anywhere in the economy, it is, frankly, absurd. And the government know that, and that's why the industrial action is taking place.
3: You see, I think it's perfectly possible to have a lot of sympathy for everyone is going on strike because cost of living crisis is very real and is really impacting people it's also possible to see there is clearly a joined up concerted effort now by union leaders to get together to bring this government down and it's also clear that if actually you all genuinely believe that all these strikers should get all your members should, from everyone should all get at least uh, in line with inflation as pay rises, this country will go bankrupt. Now, I can... And I would add a fourth point. It's also possible to believe we're in this miserable position because the government's been hopeless. All those things can be true. Uh, but your responsibility is surely to get a fair and balanced pay rise for your members without actually imperiling the very economic stability of the country. isn't it? I mean, why would you want to behave as badly as you claim the government's been behaving?
5: Well, I certainly agree that the government's hopeless, and the sooner they go, the better. Um, My job is not to bring down the government, but it is to get the government to recognise that when 40,000 of its own workforce, the people who work in job centres, for example, have to claim the benefits they administer, something is wrong. And when you've had 10 years of pay rises less than inflation, and you get to a cost of living crisis, if the government is saying that's tough, then we have to do something about it. Now, we want a 10% pay rise. That's our claim. But what we've said to the government is if they are prepared to say now, they have money, they will put money on the table. We've made it clear. We will get into negotiations with them about how much that is and how it's distributed. Their answer is not a penny will be put on the table. Therefore, all we can do is either sit back and accept that our members will have the worst Christmas in living memory. Many of them, not only claiming um, benefits and using food banks, but struggling to feed themselves. Okay, let if me ask you. Look, you, you keep referencing 100%. people who
3: have to use food banks, and I've heard this a lot in this debate. How, if, if you don't mind me asking you, actually, I don't care if you mind or not, how much do you earn?
5: Well, I earn considerably less than you peers, um, how, but how much what do I earn, earn well, what I earn, is a matter of public record. My salary is ninety-seven thousand pounds, set
3: democratically by my union. And what are the what are the perks on top of that? There are no perks on top of that. So your total remuneration is ninety-seven thousand.
5: I received ninety-seven thousand uh, pounds. That is a public record. My pay rise every year is linked to the rise that our members get. And the question isn't here. I so you want about well what?
3: you me. want like a, a ten thousand pound pay rise for yourself?
5: No, I uh, I have accepted in when our members receive zero percent, I receive zero percent.
3: Yeah, but right now year, you the, say you want you uh, want a pay rise in line of in, with inflation for your members. That would be at the moment around 10%. So you would get about 10 grand. Do you accept that?
5: No, I don't accept that. No, because if we were to achieve a 10% pay rise in my own union for three consecutive years, the most senior staff in the union took no pay rise whatsoever and donated their money back to the union strike fund.
3: So would you do that in this eventuality? Would you refuse to accept a pay
5: rise? I'm I'm more than happy to say if our members got a 10% pay rise, I would happily forgo that and put it in the strike fund because our members who pay benefits, who keep the borders open, who keep the courts running and the prisons running, are poor peers. Their average wage is £23,000 a year. The government has given them 2%. I don't think you believe 2% is... Realistic, It's less than anyone else is being offered. It's less than the 6.2% average earnings in Britain. It's less than any other part of the public sector has been offered after 10 years of pay cuts. So what we're doing now by going on strike is saying to the government, they either put money on the table or they should take the blame for the disruption that is coming. And more than that, and I'm quite happy to say it on your show. Yes, of course, we're talking to union leaders in every other union, and there's about 30 whose members are also doing the same thing, because if the government is the cause of everyone's problems, then it's only right that we work together to try to get the government to see sense. OK. And I believe civil servants deserve a pay rise, but so do rail workers, train drivers, lecturers, postal workers. Every working man and woman deserves to go to work to be better off each year, not get real Yeah, I
3: making. listen, I can agree with the sentiment, except we are in the middle of an unbelievable financial crisis, where if we give everybody... The same rate of inflation as a pay rise, the country goes bust, which is completely irresponsible. So there has to be a meeting ground which does not involve everyone getting uh, inflation, because if they do, we we can't afford it. So that's where we are. And it can be down to incompetent government, it can be down to everything. But I just don't think Mm -hmm. the union leaders holding out for that as their yardstick are doing the country any favours either. But I've got to leave it there. Uh, Thank you. you Mister... Well, every
5: union leader's has made it clear they'll get into talks if more money's on the table and the government okay. can afford it. They Mister, so what, I've heard you loud and clear.
3: I appreciate you joining Thank me. You. Thank you very much indeed. Joining me now is the former Assistant General Secretary of the RMT, Steve Headley. We wanted to have the current one, uh, Mick the Grinch, but he uh, was not available. Um, the union decided to get into a Twitter uh, Barney with me for most of the day, which seemed a, a pretty useless uh, way to spend their time in the middle of his crisis. But anyway, Mr. Headley is with us. Thank you for joining me. Um, currently, the well, RMT is paralysing the country. Why?
6: Well, quite simply because the pay offer has been made over two years. It's five uh, percent this year, and four percent next year. Is in real terms a twelve percent pay cut because inflation's twelve percent this year. And at the very best, it's forecast to fall to 8% next year. It could be higher than 8%. Now, a deal's been done in Scotland, Piers, I don't know if you know about this, but um, a deal's been done in Scotland where people got 5% plus a £750 bonus, and that was a one-year deal. And uh, there's going to be no job cuts, and there's going to be no extra shifts, work extra nights or extra weekends. So that's uh, why the T are basically out there having this uh, battle, uh, which I fully support. They're out there defending jobs, defending safety on the railway and demanding uh, that people catch up with the inflation that's being driven by excessive profits, being driven by oil prices, being driven by food prices. It's not being driven by wages. And people need a pay raise.
3: Do you think the negotiations between union leaders and the government should be done in a civil way?
6: Well, I would hope so, but, I mean, that takes two to tango, doesn't it? I mean, I think that um, when, when you've got ministers making it clear that they've they've not got anything to offer, uh, but they're still, you know, saying uh, say that they want talks, well, what is the point in having talks if you've got nothing to offer? Surely the point of having talks is to reach a compromise. Now, I think that um, they, there's been eight weeks now when the RMT hasn't been on strike. That time could have been used productively by the government to get round the table. I mean, I, I think a deal in Scotland is a, a, a terrible deal, by the way. That's my personal opinion, but our members accept it and I accept that. So if it's good enough for people up in Scotland, why is it not good enough for people down here? And I would kind of reiterate Mark's point about the, the nurses. These are people that haven't been on strike in 106 years. And the government are even refusing to talk to them at all about pay. Now, all this happens in Scotland is the Scottish government, and I'm no fan of the SNP, the Scottish government said, we'll talk to you about pay, and they called the strike-off. Let, so. right, let me ask you a bit,
3: civility. The reason I asked you about civility, you know, you want to get in the room with people, mm. I accept you're not the leader anymore, mm. uh, but you were suspended by the RMT because you said, and I remember you doing this, and I remember feeling incensed when you did it, that you would throw a party if Boris Johnson died of coronavirus. Why, if you're in the government, would you want to get yeah, in the well, room? Yeah, well, I wasn't. Well, you did say that. Why would you? Why would you want to get well, in the well, room I wasn't... if you're the government? Well, with I, I, people I, wasn't, that, I wasn't involved that want you in any dead. phone
6: hacking, Pierce, and I wasn't a, I wasn't a serial adulterer, Pierce. And so, if you're going to play the moral guardian. I think you want the... I'm not the, playing any uh, moral guard Mr Teddy. I'm asking you... Take, you. take the log, I'm take the log you, out of your I'm own eye. Take the log out of your own eye. I'm simply
3: asking you... If
6: we look at the Spencer
3: I'm simply asking you a question. I so know this you, is your you technique on, with all you journalists. Here, you, you come on here... You come
6: on here... I'm asking you a question. You come on I'm, here making childish jokes about Mick the Grinch. Yeah. And you talk I'm about civility. I'm asking stability. you whether you think it's You're right an and absolute proper... absolute disgrace. ...to get people into rooms You're like a 16-year-old ...who said you wanted Boris Johnson to die of
3: coronavirus.
6: Well, I'm not I'm not in the room. I'm gone. I'm not there. Mm. Mick Lynch hasn't said that.
3: But you were suspended, so, and that shows back, an attitude way, back, back, back of mind, yours, doesn't back, it? It shows an back, attitude of mind.
6: Well, well back, to yours, back to your serial adultery, Pierce, which has been well documented. Back to the allegations of phone tapping. Who are you to play the moral guardian? I'm not can the one leading the this country into actually, a crisis this we, winter. We, you are.
3: You and your team. Well,
6: well, well neither am I, and the clue... The clue is right, so X. I've seen you do this with people before. We kn-
3: look, the X. Ex- we know, what you yeah. know you like to play whataboutery. I'm simply asking you: What does it say about well, the state of mind well, of people running these unions if you were suspended by the RMT for literally wishing Boris Johnson to die of coronavirus? I'm simply asking you whether you think that is the right way for union bosses to behave. But
6: there, there we go. Well, I don't think it's right that highly paid reporters such as yourself, serial... All right, you're not going to answer the question. People have All been right. Involved, Thank you very much, Mr people Hedley. I appreciate you joining me.
3: Try answering a few questions next time yourself. Coming next is the Palace braces itself the next instalment of Harry and Meghan's Netflix series, I'll talk to the reality star who had a fling with Prince Harry and said she didn't recognise the party prince she once knew. Welcome back to Piers Morgan The story to come tonight. Should we be boycotting Tchaikovsky just because it's Russian? I'll talk to the Ukrainian culture minister who says the West should boycott all Russian culture until the end of the war. But first, the Duke and Duchess of Montecito said they've never had an opportunity to tell their story until their 88 million dollar Netflix series. And if that isn't enough, there's also Prince Harry's autobiography, Spare or Spare Me, as we've renamed it, to look forward to next month. Well, far from not having the opportunity to tell their story, I don't think anyone else in history has had more opportunities than these have done, each time for vast amounts of cash. But how accurate is their truth? Well, a reality star from The Real Housewives of DC, Kat Ominet, who claims she... well. She did have a flick with Prince Harry. Doesn't claim anything. It was true. Says she's been whitewashed from history and doesn't recognise the party prince she once knew. Kat joins me now, along with royal correspondent of Vanity Fair Katie Nicholl and Fox News contributor Geraldo Rivera. Welcome to you to this uh, stellar panel, I must say. Hey, Pierce. Um, And thank you, uh, Geraldo, for joining us from across the pod. I'll come to you in a moment. Kat, I want to talk to you because this book that's coming out spare is supposed to be Harry's story. But I suspect we're going to get a very sanitised version Of anything which is awkward for him and it'll just be more of what we've been seeing now for the last year and a half Which is just constant attacks on his family and the media
2: Or a total snooze fest, right? I mean, you know, but the title I love the title think It's a great title But you know how much he's influenced about how he wrote it and what's in it? Who knows?
3: You were 34 when you met a yes. young 21-year-old Harry. Yeah. So, a bit of a, a Madonna situation going on there. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, she likes the toy boys, doesn't she?
2: Well, yeah, I yeah. I was, I was criticised because I didn't really care about
3: age. You had a little um, fling with him. Yeah. Uh, it was well documented and we've got pictures of you there. What was he like then, as a young guy?
2: Just really, really, really funny, total gentleman, totally down-to-earth, normal. And did he carry
3: any of this enormous baggage, which he now appears to have all the time? Because he seems just completely miserable.
2: He did at the time. Well, he seems miserable now. No, no. Now. I mean, now he
3: just seems completely miserable all the time. This freedom he saw doesn't seem to make well, him well, happy.
2: I mean, what I saw with him at the time, he was desperately searching for freedom and and privacy. And yet, what he's done is completely turned the whole situation full circle. Right. And now he's got no privacy. And no freedom. Well, they
3: invade their own privacy every 10 minutes. That's the sort of irony of this position. I mean... Katie, we've talked a lot about this Um, and the reason we keep talking about it is because on Thursday, there'll be another dump of three more episodes (laughs) in this Netflix snooze fest, which a lot of it is very boring. You stay awake for it. Well, yeah, it is boring, actually. It's very self-indulgent, very narcissistic, but in the middle of all this, there will be more barbs we know at the royal family and at the media, and they'll play the oppressed victims.
7: They will. It's really interesting hearing Kat say that, actually, because I think when you look at those pictures of Harry Parting, and I started my career as a royal correspondent because I ended up at a party with Prince Harry and, you know, drinking a bottle of vodka and having a great time, and he seemed like a very fun guy. But it's interesting hearing you say that he seemed like someone that sort of wanted to to hide away from from the media, who wanted to have his private life, and I think... That is a massive contradiction in, in all of this. But as I unpick his, his complaints and this resentment, and it, it's bitterness. At the heart of this is bitterness about the institution, bitterness about how he's portrayed in the media. And I think now that he's actually named William in this latest trailer, and I think clearly William and Kate and, and the, mm. the Sussex's relationship with William and Kate is going to come under scrutiny, I think there's a lot of sibling rivalry at the heart of all this. I think Harry... And the fact that his book is called Spare mm. has resented being the spare for a long time, and I think we're going to hear much more on that particular yeah, well, narrative. Yeah, I agree with you.
3: Um, Araldo, across the pond, um, it seems to me a lot of Americans are as fed up with them as we are. I think you're still hanging in there as being not necessarily a fulsome supporter, <laughs> but a more tolerant uh, observer of all this. What do you, what do you make of it all?
1: Well, first of all, I want to say I thought of you, Piers, when uh, Harry Kane missed that shot. I really, I felt uh, very bad for you and for, uh, for England. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. You know, I, I, in terms of the, the Netflix uh, documentary and Harry and Meghan, uh, you know, in their participation and, you know, their, their ongoing soap opera, I really do feel for them. And I think that the vitriol being heaped on them, the, the scorn is so snobby and snotty. It's having absolutely the opposite effect. I believe that they are generating some sympathy now, not because of what they're doing on the Netflix show, as much as uh, reaction to the British tabloids and this in, incessant, uh, constant, uh, you know, criticism. There is no doubt in my mind that uh, they, are, they are telling the basic truth. Maybe there's, a, you know, a shot here that should not have been used, a stock footage, a, a footage of photogra- uh, photographers and so forth. But I think the general truth emerges. They seem sincere. They seem beleaguered. They seem, in many ways, deeply I've got to be honest
3: with you. You are one of the people I most respect in American television news. You're a hard-bitten journalist. You're a war correspondent. And you've fallen for this guff with these two. Hook, line and sinker. Because they're the least sincere people I think I've ever met in my life. She in particular. She's an actress.
1: She's playing a role.
2: She's a good actress.
1: My brother, I told you, Piers, I told you how I followed Prince Harry into Helmut Province in Afghanistan and how the American uh, Marines there and the British personnel that were still there after he had left... All, all considered his service there to be honorable, even heroic. No question. So I come, as a war correspondent, I come with that bias. Here's a guy who served his country honorably, put his own life on the line. He married a woman who, for, for the first time in, in British royal history, uh, was of mixed race. So the issue of racism and here, here Harry's girl straight out of Compton and all that kind of baloney, uh, they have been assailed. Uh, you know, I feel for them because they have been targeted in a way that I feel is very, very unfair. Yeah, but you see, I, mean, I they would, are I a would argue.
3: I, okay, but I would argue they haven't been targeted in the way that I think a lot of Americans have been led to believe they were targeted. There was no racism towards them in the mainstream media in this country,
1: there wasn't. The papers here were euphoric the, about this government. The, the Daily Mail just did 20 pages on the Netflix document. 20 right. pages. Yeah but, I mean, this because, is obsessive. yeah, but that's because. This is obsessive. Yeah,
3: but Geraldo, that's
1: because this is a colonoscopy. These, two,
3: these two sought freedom and privacy in America, and all they've done since they got there is cash in. On their royal titles afforded to them by an institution they despise and are trying to ruin. And they're making hundreds of millions well, of I dollars certainly constantly don't trashing despise, I their families. You the talk about Iraq, Harald, well, and Afghanistan. My, my brother served in Iraq and Afghanistan. Afghanistan, right? And in fact, my brother in law taught William and Harry at Santos Military Academy. So I absolutely respect his military service. But if my brother, notwithstanding his heroic war record in Iraq and Afghanistan, went on national television every 10 minutes, dumping all over my family, that would be a very short conversation next time I saw him. You just don't do that kind of thing to
1: families, well, do you? Well, you know, they, where is the kindness? Where is the, where uh, is the sensitivity? Where is their kindness? When, uh, here, you have a, here you have a young couple trying to find their way in extraordinary situations with scrutiny that is, that is so absolutely intrusive they don't have a moment to breathe. Now he is the spare. He is the, the, the one that was designated to take over when the. You know, I understand all, all that, and I understand the frustration of that, I mean, uh, uh, theoretically. But I really do believe that your, your lack of kindness to them is laid bare, Piers. You can't have such a visceral uh, viciousness towards yeah, them. the they irony. He's yeah, they're just the trying irony. to pave their Look, way in the world. Here's the
3: irony. My response to them is driven by their serial unkindness and viciousness to the royal family and their deliberate attempts now to not only attack their family, who is a beloved family in this country, but to actually destabilize and potentially bring down the British monarchy. And as a monarchist who loves the royal
1: family and the institution, I think it's their unkindness. They're not going to bring down the British monarchy. Well, it might, actually. They're not going to bring down the British monarchy. It might. they they will not. How, why? What mechanism I'll tell you why. will destroy this, uh, this centuries-old institution? Because
3: their constant framing of the royal family as a bunch of nasty, callous racists is beginning to hit home in America. It's hitting home in the Commonwealth. People are believing this. They're not producing any actual evidence to support the racism well, claims. I, all I, the I, all the other mental health claims. When you claims have a on. the
1: headline, the headline literally read "Harry's new girl almost straight out of Compton." Right. Right. Come on, Piers. Compton, it, if to, for, you, for your viewers not familiar with this area of, L- of Los Angeles, yeah. is like Harlem in New York. Well, There's a lot on, of nice places on, on. in Compton but, Compton. but generally it's regarded as a home of rap and urban problems. I thought
3: that was an unfortunate headline. But the piece that accompanied it was euphorically praiseworthy. And the truth is, she comes from an area about five, six miles from Compton. And Compton produced, as far as the British audience is concerned, produced Serena and Venus Williams. So they wouldn't see it in a particularly <coughs> negative way. They think, oh, that's the place. But even the even, sisters even come making
1: from. your even spe- all right, even speaking of Serena and Venus, you you put it in a racial context. Here she are, here she is, a mixed race actress, uh, you know, who's not has no familiarity. I mean, she wasn't debriefed by Sarah Ferguson, as far as I know, or by really anybody who who could guide her into the intricacies. What about her own of, of The etiquette and so forth. She was hung out. Well, Harry, I, he, I think he can't Harry can do it? what Harry can do, but he's a guy. He's, it, it's not like she didn't have someone say, "Here's how you curtsy." She didn't have someone to say, "She and, literally and got given." Account, a, they loved Queen no, Elizabeth. No, no, no. Hang on. They loved and she they honored the. Uh, you're
3: believing mother. the bullshit. She literally got given a massive dossier she explaining did. all these she things. Did. It's now been revealed. Most of what they say in this Netflix thing is completely untrue. Check Queen
7: lady in waiting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, if you can't have it, well, 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 it seems to me, me
3: that. Hang on, Heraldo Just finish that point. I think you're falling to have
1: a chip on your shoulder toward them, Piers.
2: <laughs> it seems to me
1: that you have an anger inside you that I don't know what the source of it oh, is. Indeed. But I think that, for example, to to allege without proof that this couple is a, is imperiling the British monarchy is a grotesque overstatement I don't think of it their is. historic significance. Yeah, I don't. I, I, because of what? Because of what? Because of the. And, and do you deny that the race played any role? Yeah, but do you ironic, deny that race played any role in the way that they were treated? Specifically, the
3: allegations of racism against the royal family, for which they produced zero evidence. All they've done is smear
1: the entire family, is, and that is it's beginning not to fact, damage is them it not a, fact a that Well, I think that I, I think that this was a great lesson. For the for not, not just the British people and the Commonwealth, but here in the United States, a great lesson in the need for sensitivity, uh, in, in, in the need for, to have a when you have a progressive step like this, that for the country to embrace them. I think that the, the, Harry would like nothing better than to go and to help. The, the, I heard you were talking with the Labour leaders earlier mm. about the unrest and the, and the economic difficulties. Yeah, I'm positive Harry and Meghan would like to be part of a of a. Oh, of do me a favour. They're living in a Californian mansion. People.
3: they've got no interest in helping in the cost of living crisis over here. You've drunk the Sussex Kool Aid.
1: I, I I think that if you gave them a ch- if the if the reception had been a, a bit more understanding. If, they, if you had given we them a little bit more, more of, a, of a fair shake. We couldn't have been more positive to them. You can't have every tap. How do you feel? How do you, you and I have had our own uh, adventures over our long public lives. How would you feel if every day you woke up Every single tabloid in the country was tearing you apart or was scrutinising yeah, you in a way they uh, that was uh, almost surgical. Actually,
3: the coverage was incredibly positive. I remember it well.
7: Yeah, Until it wasn't, Piers, the narrative did change.
3: All right. Well, look, ch- look, well, ch- I, look, Haraldo, it, it to it say, Haraldo narrative, narrative let me just say goodbye did. to Haraldo. Haraldo, you've been brilliant, as always, as a guest. I love the way you speak your mind. Oh, I love super. the way you never compromise when you have a belief about something. I appreciate you joining the show. Thank you. Very much. All right, let's get a reaction to this. It, Thank
7: you. It, I just want to make the point A lot of that Americans, the
3: by the way, will agree with her, Alex.
7: They do, they do. But the <laughs> narrative did change, but it didn't just change because newspaper editors sat there saying, right, now let's put the knife into no. her. It changed because their behaviour changed yes, for the worse. Yes, they became a bunch they became of hypocrites. They became very hypocritical. Preaching about
3: the environment, Absolutely. using private jets. Absolutely. Preaching about poverty, throwing half a million dollar and baby showers. Way, and,
7: by the way, they've made some pretty <laughs> damaging allegations in mm. this of the trailer's anything to go by. Mm. I mean, the idea that, you know, the Palace were briefing against them. Well, I know from my experience covering this beat for a long time, that their press aides were doing everything they could to keep those negative stories mm. out. I'm, you know, they were. So th- that's a, there's, there's potentially quite damaging allegations in all of this. And, and you know, Geraldo mentioned proof. Well, are we going to see any proof? Are we going to see any evidence no, not. from them we're over not. the next three we're episodes?
3: not. Um, Kat, what, what are your thoughts now? If you bumped into
2: Harry, what would you say to him? I just don't know whether I'd actually even recognise him anymore.
4: I mean, I, changed I, I, so yeah, much.
2: I, I mean, personality-wise. Because when I watched him, like, with the show, I just thought, wow, he's just, it's almost like... And my mother will really hate me for saying this, but it's almost like she's got, like, a spell over him. Mm. And um, that's why I don't recognise him, because he used to be so, like, down-to-earth and normal and... And there's so, so little of him I actually recognised. Of...
3: You know, Joanna Lumley has come out with an interview with The Times in which she says that she's horrified by the way... She talks about women specifically, but I think it can extend to men as well, that you can become too much of a victim. You start to celebrate victimhood. You lose a strength, and she believes that this generation is losing the strength of previous generations. She was talking about women, yeah. but I think it applies to men as well, that there's an almost a celebration of playing a victim.
2: Right, but, I mean, he... He would never in a million years um, back in those days have ever been that person to to do the show.
3: No, I mean, looking at the front pages we've got up here, this is the coverage of when they got engaged. It couldn't have been more euphoric. Same for the wedding. They had 18 months of great press coverage. They got a lot of attention because they're the biggest stars in the country when you marry into the royal family. Anyway, we'll leave it there. There are lots of different views. We'll have all these views on Piers Morgan Uncensored. That's the whole point of the show is that we will invite people to have different views to mine and to challenge mine. That's great. Um, doesn't mean I'm wrong. <laughs> Thank you both very much indeed for coming in. Still ahead, the Nutcracker is among the most popular ballet music ever written, but Ukraine's calling on us to boycott Russian composers like Cherkilsky until this war is over. Is that right? We'll discuss this with the Ukrainian culture minister next. I'll speak to the Ukrainian culture minister about what he wants us to do, which is to stop playing music by Tchaikovsky and other great Russian musicians, because he feels that that is a way of punishing Vladimir Putin. Um, I don't agree, and I'll say that to him when I speak to him. I think it's the wrong way to respond, but it's a good debate. Um, but in the meantime, over here, Cambridge Dictionary has been accused of kowtowing to woke activists today. I'll try his definition of woman to include anyone who identifies as female. Well, I'm joined by Talk TV presenter Richard Tice, who I believe identifies still as male. Talk TV contributor Paula Roan-Adrian, who I'm fairly sure still identifies as a woman. I do. Paula, what is a woman?
0: I didn't think it was that complicated a question. Right. For me, a woman is me. So I was born female, with female genitalia. I can give birth and i know that some women can't so i'm not necessarily suggesting that that is uh, part of the biological definition it's somebody who puts their hand up
3: and says i identify as female a woman because that's what the dictionary is now defining a woman to also mean
0: yeah and this is where I, i i start to struggle with when we talk about feelings as opposed to defining words and this mm. is where I feel that the dictionary has fallen foul of the difference. Well, I mean, you're not the anyone who's, who's getting
3: confused by this. This is some of the world's most important people. Look at this. A woman can have a penis.
6: Nick, I'm not... I don't think we can conduct this debate with, you know... Sorry, but, I, get I offended this like, you in some
5: No, way. no, no, it's just... Uh, no, 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 I just... Can you provide a definition for the word woman?
1: Can I provide
7: a definition? Mm-hmm. No.
5: Yeah. I can't. You can't?
1: N- not
3: in okay. this context. So I'm not believe- a biologist. Of the- that woman who can't say what a woman is is now a woman on the Supreme Court of the United States, one of the most powerful people in the world. Richard Tice, it just feels to me like the world has gone completely mad. When right. women feel too paralyzed to be able to actually enunciate what they believe a woman is for fear
4: of the retribution that may come their way. Well, there's that. But the whole point of a dictionary is that you can rely on it to give you the accurate truth. Right. That's literally the function. Right. If you're not sure, you go to the dictionary and the dictionary gives you the truth. So for a dictionary to adopt the latest fashion, the latest mm. trend for fear of upsetting people, mm. I actually think is really serious. I think it's, it's much bigger than this. I actually think that... They shouldn't be allowed to get away with this. Mm. I think the government should actually look at injuncting to stop this nonsense. One thing you can be sure of Piers, this wouldn't be happening in Florida under the governorship of Ron DeSantis. He's he would He's now wouldn't tolerate running it. away with the popularity of exactly. the Republican Party. Exactly. He wouldn't tolerate But I mean, It's true. He wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't accept this.
0: Uh, he may not accept this, and... You know, to an extent, you and I agree, when we're looking at a definition of what is something, then we look at that thing. What we don't do is then attribute a monologue in terms of the ideology behind that thing. We describe that thing, we define that thing, and I don't think that that's what the dictionary has done here. What it's done is it's, t- it's talking a- about an ideology. It's talking about a thought process, about a feeling. It's not saying
3: what it but is. But, unfortunately, facts don't care about feelings, I'm sorry, they just don't. It's a, it's a bit like Meghan Markle and her truth. Oh, it's like, there's no such thing as... There's no such thing as my truth. There's the truth, there are facts, and then there are people's feelings about facts. But that, they're not facts. Well,
0: you're right to say that there is my truth and there is your truth. I accept that. And you're right to say that... Well, only
3: one of them is the actual truth.
0: No, that that's not always yes, the case. Yes, that no, is the case. No, that's not always well, the case. Well, there's more than
3: one form when of when the truth. Talk,
0: of course there is. Well, give me an when example. We're about give me an females. example. Well, how do you how do you define what a woman is, Piers, differently to? A woman what I do? is a woman
3: born to a female biological body. Boom.
0: But that's a different that's definition. It. That's a different definition to what a scientist might have. To uh, to what it somebody is a, who is. It's
3: what the is. dictionary until this week. <laughs> always said There's a woman one but was three. somebody born to a female
4: biological body. There are two sexes, male and female. That's it. The whole point of a dictionary is that it doesn't have feelings. It yes. doesn't get confused. Yes. Right. right, now we the have a dictionary right. It is the endorsing fact. It is the line. feelings.
3: Right, but now they're endorsing feelings, right? I feel like... I did this on Good Morning Britain once. We had somebody on trying to defend the BBC educating kids of 12 that there were over 100 genders, including astrogender, which is an affinity with the stars and planets. So I said, fine, by that criteria, if we can identify as anything we like, I am a two-spirit penguin because I walk a bit like a penguin. I have the same carnivorous diet as a penguin. Uh, I think penguins are much beloved figures in this country. Again, a big tick in the box. So I had a lot of affinity with penguins, and I like to have various spirits, so I'm a two-spirit penguin. All hell broke loose. How dare you mock self-identity? How dare you say you're a two-spirit penguin? Had I said I am an astrogender because I look at the stars and planets and feel all woozy, that would be the BBC's way of educating kids about what they can identify as. It is nonsense. It it is nonsense to you. Yes. It's nonsense to to you. By the way, to most people. To most people, Paula. I'm
0: not not sure that's right, because you know we haven't counted what what we're talking about and what i think you have to accept peers and the people who want to shout at me and want to use mm. the word woke as 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 some kind of dirty word, is you're not listening to those people. Well,
3: woke used to be an awareness of social and racial injustice.
0: It
7: still what, wo- is. no, No, what woke still has, no, no. Is. what
3: woke has become for most of the wokies is a form of fascism where they think if, if anyone disagrees with them when they come out with this nonsense about what a woman is, for example, they must be abused, shamed, cancelled, driven out of their jobs... And terrorise, as we saw with J.K. Rowling, but why who, tried are you to, who I don't even like, by the way. She's always been damn rude to me. But on this, she's right.
0: But why are you attributing the title of woke activist to those people? They're purely, they're activists. Because they identify normally activists?
3: identify in their in their Twitter biography as woke and also hashtag be kind. They are the least kind people in the history of planet Earth. They're vicious. They're nasty. They're fascist. The very thing they like to pretend they hate most, that is what they are. They want to basically indoctrinate everyone to agree with everything they say. That's it. And I'm no not, deviation. I'm
0: not going to disagree with you. In Thank terms you. Of... On
3: that note, <laughs> we'll go back to a little <laughs> commercial break because Paul O'Reilly has finally agreed that I'm right about everything. We'll uh, after we'll the finish. break, should we be boycotting Tchaikovsky because he's Russian? Well, after a Ukraine minister called for the West to boycott all Russian culture to the end of the war. We'll discuss that after the <laughs> break. Censored arts this evening, Ukraine's cultures minister. Uh, unfortunately, we've got technical issues with him. He's in Paris, I think, and we can't actually get the line up. So we're going to take this debate. If we don't get him tonight, we'll get him back on tomorrow. Um, Richard and Paula, it's an interesting debate this. He's come out very strongly. He wrote a big piece in The Guardian, uh, Alexander Akachenko. He's Ukraine's culture minister, calling for all music by Tchaikovsky to be paused saying that Putin sees Russian culture as a tool and even a weapon to attack liberal values and has indeed, of course, destroyed many monuments of Ukrainian arts and culture.
4: I feel uncomfortable about this, I've got to be honest. I don't think it's the right response. You can understand why he's saying it, why he feels it so deeply and passionately, but I don't think it is the right response. And the truth is it's not actually going to achieve anything. What we've really got to focus on... Is I think actually what we've been doing pretty well, which is giving them the the, the arms, the weapons uh, to fight like mm. like like absolute Trojans. But uh, but I understand his his angst with frankly anything with the name Russian, the sense of Russian, and so you see why he's I mean, why Paul, he's done
3: himself.
4: We've heard this about sport, you know, yes. and
3: they have been punished. Yes. The Russians they yes. weren't allowed to uh, compete at Wimbledon, for example. Yes. Yes. Um, is there the a difference between sport and? Cultural, you know, arts, for example? Is there a difference, ideologically, between a boycott of sport compared to Tchaikovsky? I can,
0: I can understand why you're uncomfortable, but I have to disagree with you, because what we're looking at is the absolute desecration of not only a country and its people, but that include its culture and All art. right, let
3: me ask you a question. So, when we illegally invaded Iraq in 2003, this country, OK, and we were with the Americans, Would the correct response have been to that illegal invasion, which is what I believe it was, which led to the slaughter of a million people, would it have been correct then to have boycotted all the music of the Beatles and all the music of Elvis Presley as a punishment? And if not, what's the difference?
0: I could have understood if that's what the Iraqi people chose to do. And I could have understood... If they
3: come out and said, if, if, if an Iraqi leader come out and said, the world must boycott the Beatles and Elvis Presley, what would the reaction have been?
0: I, I could have understood that, Piers. That's my answer. Of course I yeah, could have Yeah, but I understood can tell that. you what the reaction would and have been.
3: Everyone would have said, forget it, and not I, happening. Well, they may well so have said do- that. So the there's a, is, a bit like I all the double it? standards
4: over the uh, Qatar World Cup. There's immoral hypocrisy, I think, at bay here, Right. But there's a big difference, because if you're talking about current sporting teams, current sporting uh, personalities, mm. as opposed to someone from, from way back in history. Mm. So I, I think that, it, for me, is, is the dividing line between the two. You've got, you've got what's going on currently, and that's sanctions, and that's current boycotts, but actually um, making a sort of a, a gesture against uh, the historical... Well, Tchaikovsky, I think, died 60-odd years before yeah, so...
3: Putin was even born or something. I mean, I can't so remember what country the stat money. That was.
0: The country still makes money from this, and that's what this is about, Richard. It's about making money.
3: It's interesting, my mother just messaged me completely randomly. I wasn't expecting this at all. She went to see a ballet, uh, the, N- the Nutcracker, with, with a Ukrainian woman and her daughter this week. Mm. And she said she did cringe a bit when Darcy Bustle apparently introduced it. It was a ballet that obviously came from Russia... Uh, raving about the fact that he'd come from Russia. Mm. It did great with her. Mm. And maybe that is what a lot of people feel. Maybe people do feel, you know what, actually, if Putin's desecrating art throughout Ukraine, destroying theatres, banning people from doing what they love then why should we celebrate any form of Russian culture until this is over? I do understand and, it. And I don't really can... agree with the argument, because I think it sets a very weird precedent, which we, we, can... we didn't adopt ourselves.
0: But we can take McDonald's out of Russia. We can take Nike out of Russia. Mm. Then surely we should be taking Tchaikovsky... Well, you mentioned,
3: all right, you mentioned food, We you've just got time for Brooklyn Beckham's latest <laughs> cooking lesson <laughs> on American television. This is where he does a... I think it's a tuna and cucumber sandwich. Here's Brooklyn Beckham. So what he gets, he gets a bit of raw tuna, he puts a bit of stuff on it, he gets a bit of egg, he gets some uh, cucumber, puts it in some sesame seeds and then he puts it in a pan and he calls himself a chef. (laughs) Now, it's a bit like identifying as a woman if you're not born (laughs) to a female body. He might identify as a chef, but this is the kind of thing I knock up when I'm on my own at home and I'm not a chef. Am I right? No.
0: It, I mean, you, Piers, come on, you just sound bitter now. This you is think a he's young, a good chef? I, I think he's a young man who is trying his best to help
3: If he people. wasn't called Brooklyn Beckham, would he be doing his tuna cucumber special on American television?
0: But that's like saying, if my dad wasn't a famous journalist, should I become a journalist? Piers, we all want to be able to follow in the footsteps of our parents. Richard? And,
4: he's trying but come on I mean (laughs) you know what he's trying actually you can leave it there he's trying
3: (laughs) good to see you both thank you both very much that's it from me Uh, keep it uncensored good night